Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at ko-online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today graduated from Wake Forest University in 1984 and has been teaching martial arts since 1972. He's a member of the Black Belt Hall of Fame, rated number one in the world and holding world champion titles in both fighting and forms. He's been on CBS News, ESPN, Fox News Lifestyles, Dance Fever, Regis Philbin's Morning Show, and Eyewitness News. Has also made appearances at the Nassau Coliseum, Madison Square Garden, the White House, RFK Stadium, DC Armory, and the FBI Academy. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. John Chung. How are you doing today, sir? I am happy to be here, Mr. Brian. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate your time. I, I know that we've been kind of trying to trying to schedule this for a while, and I'm glad it finally worked out, and we get to we get to finally talk to you. I'm excited about this. Yes, sir. Sometime Christmas time is the best time to get together with people. <laughs> that is right. Well, <laughs> what we like to do with all my guests, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know kind of where that first interest, that first spark for martial arts, kind of started for you, and what you know what kind of kicked off your martial arts journey. Well, that's always a story, right? Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Well, my martial arts journey actually started back in when I was in Korea. Okay. Uh, I loved martial arts because as I was growing up, you know, I'm kind of like an old timer. So, you know, you see in Korea, you see all these Korean uh, military heading over to Vietnam and you hear the story how awesome they were in Vietnam and they were like one of those so-called fears, like, uh, uh, the Marines and this and that you hear because mm-hmm. of their so-called Taekwondo background. Okay. So that kind of, not just myself, probably all the kids during the you know elementary school coming up. Wow. You know, Taekwondo makes you tough, you know, kind of like make you feel like you're invincible. <laughs> and that went through. And actually in 1969, uh, when I was in seventh grade, my junior high school, uh, was a judo school. Oh, so when I enroll in seventh grade, uh, 1970, I started actually doing judo for about six months because okay. it was part of our PE program. Wow. And then I came to United States, September of 1970. Okay. And of course, during the judo time, you know, judo wasn't as popular as Taekwondo because like I said, military people, they uh, trained Taekwondo, went to Vietnam and, you know, they came back kind of as a hero as well as Taekwondo being very, you know, uh, popularized in Korea mm-hmm. that I was kind of like happy that I was doing judo, but I wasn't happy that I wasn't doing Taekwondo. <laughs> right. So I always envied, uh, I would go to follow my friends to the, watch them take classes and kick and punch and all of that. And I, I just thought that was the coolest thing. So my interest peaked, I would say, if you want to say I was like 11, 12 years old. Okay. And then when I came to United States, uh, September of 1970, it was very, very, I guess, lucky, blessed, right place at the right time. My uncle, uh, by marriage, mm-hmm. 
happened to be the Grandmaster Jun Ri, nice. the founding father of American Taekwondo. Okay. So, of course, through the family, we just jumped right in, and then the rest is history. And then after that, nobody bothered you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love that commercial. <laughs> that is classic, and they still play it, and it is iconic. It is one of the catchphrase, if you want to call it, but it yeah. definitely... Definitely, it was ahead of the time too. I so. actually interviewed uh, Chunri a uh, uh, oh, couple, okay. couple yeah. months ago, so we got. And to we're t- related. So yep. Again, we're related by marriage. Uh, I, I, you know, I knew his mother uh, back in Korea too. So nice. when we came to America, again, another familiar faces. She's the one, of course, who married Grandmaster Junri. So right. my aunt, it was, so it was good. It was very good. That is cool. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've, I've interviewed a lot of uh, a lot of people who got to train with with uh, Junri, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never got to meet him, but uh, I've read, read some of his books and interviewed a lot of his students and heard some amazing stories. So then, okay, so as your, your, as your uncle, you got involved, you had always wanted yeah. to. Once you got into it, what was it about it that made you want to keep doing it? What was it that kind of drew you in and made you think, wow, this no, is really. I, I think I was just fascinated by the workout. And then I think I got bitten by a tournament bug because mm-hmm. as a white belt, I competed doing Chunji, which is the first ITF. Yep. form and i won first place oh as a white, as a white belt. belt first wow. tournament so i was like i still have that trophy really after 50 after 53 going into 54 years later it was 1970 i still have that trophy the first place trophy that won when i was a white belt that's that one of the trophies that cool. i challenged that is really really cool yeah so a tournament bug bit me and the training um again because of the family we went to taekwondo six days a week monday through saturday wow they went and uh trained practiced and then um just like uh like i said if you want to call it jackie chan movies and stuff uh, mm-hmm. we my brother older brother howard chung he has a school in new york and he was also my coach while i was competing okay we both uh became a janitor of the school Wow. Well, actually, he was the official janitor. I was his assistant because okay. I was too young. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. no, we went there every day. We cleaned cleaned the dojang school, and um, we practiced with the classes Monday through Saturday. Wow. So that first tournament, did you do um, forms and, and sparring, or did you do just one or the other? No. At that time, uh, it was at the junior intramural tournament. Junior school had, in Washington metropolitan area, Grandmaster Junior had six schools. Okay. So amongst six schools, we competed against each other. Okay. And in order for you to represent the school, you had to go through elimination qualification in the school. Ah. And you had to represent your school. So on through that elimination process, I won. So I represented the forms division okay. myself, and there was another lady. Two of us represented. So in each uh, division, there were twelve people. You couldn't have more than two representatives. Okay. So white belt Chenji, there were two of us. We competed, and I got first place. Wow! So you had to go through the qualification process before you were able to compete. Right. And then, at what age or how long was it before you started going into bigger tournaments? So yeah, pretty much. I did an intramural tournament throughout first couple of years. Okay. And I think when I got my, I want to say probably like brown belt. So a couple of years later, two years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got my brown belt, and I think that's when I started traveling to like Baltimore, Philadelphia, representing the school, did mm-hmm. some team matches as a brown belt, you know, just going to different tournaments to represent the Junior Institute, and were able to compete more 
uh, you can say regionally east coast yeah virginia maryland pennsylvania uh, those three i really didn't go to carolinas nor to new york area just kind of stayed in that area and then um my first you can say like the big tournament was 1977 there was a pka national at baltimore maryland nice and that was the first time ever they separated the korean chinese and japanese forms division uh-huh. oh okay and that was like i in a way my first until then i was doing pretty well locally mm-hmm. i would place but not really win first place you know i would get second third I don't even think I really won first place until that big tournament, PKA National. Wow. Because, you know, they say locally, sometimes it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of local favorites. And I was still a young kid, up and coming kind of thing. And so, but 1977 was my first big tournament, PKA National. Korean division, I won. And of course, everybody was surprised. I was surprised that one. <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> nice. Because I had never really won a first place as a black belt. Yeah. Heidi Ochai won the Japanese division. Okay. And Tayari Cassell won the Chinese division. And later to find out, you know, Heidi Ochai is like a Japanese system legend. Tayari Cassell, Chinese system legend in the area. So I was like, ooh, I'll pay but soon now. So that was the first big tournament, 1970 PKN Nationals, and that was in Baltimore. Wow. And then after that, like uh, I started seeking out, oh, okay, there are bigger tournaments, there are national tournaments. Mm-hmm. And um, 1970, I want to say 78, I went to my first Battle of Atlanta, either 78 or 79. Okay. Battle of Atlanta. And then I traveled to U.S. Open and Diamond National, just those three. Yep. And then I understood about the rating systems and then point system and all of that. So 1980, I started traveling to all the different tournaments all over the country. Wow. You know, like the... um, let me see, Diamond National, AKA Grand Nationals, US Open, Battle of Atlanta, and then there were a few others like, um, uh, what's his name, Mr. Uh, Roy Kerman of Texas. Okay. He did Texas Pro-Am, um, and then California, uh, Leo Fong and Ron Martini, they did the tournaments uh, up in uh, Stockton area, mm-hmm. San Jose, Ernie Reyes Jr., uh, Ernie Reyes Sr., yep. they started promoting tournaments. Where else did I go? Oregon, San Diego. Wow. So just traveled pretty much all over the country for a few years. Okay. National tournament. That's kind of fun though. As that, so, you know, a young yeah. young man getting to tour the country. That's kind of yeah, cool. Late seventies to mid eighties. Um, I, I, like I said, it was like one of the best times. And then I represented a Waco organization. The second world championship, 1981, I went to Milan, Italy. Wow. And that's where I won the world title. I got bronze in fighting and then, you know, uh, gold in form. And then 83, I went back to England. That's where London, and we competed at the Wembley Stadium. And I got, that's when I won my form and fighting both. Okay. And I believe to this day, I'm the only one who has the title in form and fighting. Wow. That was back in 83. Okay. And then 85, went back and I won the gold again. And then I won the bronze in fighting. And then 87, that's when I officially retired and I got a silver in the world championship. It okay. was in Munich, Germany. But I had retired competing in the United States in 84. Okay. So officially, I did a, a stop nationally in 84 here. And then 85, they said, please come back to England. I said, sure. <laughs> and I didn't compete for two years. And they said, come on, defend your title. Come to Germany. I said, okay. 
<laughs> I go to Germany. Good reason to go there. So do you remember that Wembley Stadium? How big was that crowd? I mean, that, talk about an iconic stadium to be at. It's nice. I mean, you know, when you go to Europe, you know, just like in America, you know, because we have so many, right? Yeah. Sometimes we don't appreciate it, but you go over there, you know, they locals appreciate what they have. So definitely it's a, I guess in a way, kind of same venue because you, like once you've seen it all, you kind of, you know, you've seen one, you've seen it all, but right. the crowd is different Yeah, because they don't see it every day. It's not like they have NFL football game every weekend. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Yep, exactly. <laughs> That is cool. What a, what an experience. I mean, that's I've I've never traveled overseas, so that's I've you know I've been to you know Mexico and Canada and stuff, but I've never traveled overseas. But just imagine to do that plus experience martial arts at the same time would, yeah. be, would be quite a dream. Yeah, like they say, you know, Taekwondo martial arts has been very very good to me. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I've been very very lucky, very blessed. So, at what age did you start uh, getting involved in the teaching aspect of martial arts, and when did you realize that was something you wanted to do? At age 14. Okay. At age 14, I was an assistant instructor. So when I was like 13, like Blue Belt, I was assisting. So being at Washington, D.C., kind of headquarter of Junri Institute with, under the, you know, master tutelage of Grandmaster Junri, my first instructor was a gentleman named of Grandmaster Kwan Ro. Okay. Under him was Mr. Otis Hooper. And then as they went through their training, once they kind of go through the training, they go to other schools because, like I said, Grandmaster Junior that had six, and then he went to seven, and I think at one time he had eight different schools in the Washington metropolitan area. So, wow. at, uh, during that time, we had, and then 1972, Mr. Larry Carnahan, mm, yep. he came up from Texas to be part of the DC school, so he came up, mm-hmm. and he was my instructor for again oh. for a short period of time as okay. well. Yeah, I know Larry. So that's the same oh, time, that's and cool. during that time, I was an assistant instructor. So I started teaching 1972. Okay. And that's when we first actually started a children's program. I started a children's program back in 1972. Wow. What age students were your children are you teaching? Uh, well, I was 14, 15. So most of the kids were like, I guess, 10 and under. Okay. I say, you know, <laughs> jokingly, but I was teaching mainly all my cousins and relatives, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, like I said, Chun Ri was one of my students. Wow. Um, Philip Chung, Gene Chung, other Charlie Ri and oh, Herbie yeah. Ri, my sister Helen Chung. So even just a family alone, that's like a half a class right there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> I think they were trying to just babysit me, but you know, I had a bunch of students. In fact, some of the students that uh, I taught way back when have their own schools right now. Yeah. You know? So that is cool. Yeah, no, Char- Charlie's been on the, I've had Charlie on the show too. Charlie's another one that's, uh, I got Not Charlie Lee. Yep. Charlie Reed. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It's also Charlie Reed. Yeah. Charlie Lee was also my student too. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he didn't become my official student until I think I want to say he was age of like 14, 15. Okay. Because he was already black belt. He was teaching at another school. Ah, okay. So like I was saying how they were moving around. So I was at DC till 77, 78. And then they moved me to Alexandria School, Alexandria, Virginia. And then 1979, they moved me to Falls Church. And that's where Charlie Lee was the assistant. Oh, okay. So I took it over as a head, head instructor. And then he became my student. And then, you know, I saw the potential. He, was, he had a great potential, great enthusiasm. I said, you know what? I'm traveling. Let's go. So I would take him and my cousin, Philip, two of them. They would stay in the room with me. And we traveled together to all the national tournament. That's cool. And when, when did you decide that you wanted to open your own school? 
that's another story. <laughs> okay, good. I like stories. That's another story. <laughs> that's but, what we like. Uh, yeah, that was after I graduated from Wake Forest, 1984. Mm-hmm. My brother and I, uh, we traveled the country to see where it would be a good place. And we ended up in uh, Long Island, New York, because our friend at that time, you know, rest in peace, Japanese Shogakan stylist, Mr. Toyotaro Miyazaki, mm-hmm. good friend of us. If, uh, from Flushing, New York, he said, come to New York. We went to visit him. Of course, he was so hospitable, friendly. We loved New York. So we said, you know what? Let's go to New York. So my brother and I opened up a school in Long Island, New York. Oh, okay. Wow. I didn't realize that. That's kind of cool. And now, how long? My brother's still there. Oh, he's, oh he's th- in, that's the same school. Okay. Yeah, wow. he's in New High Park, New York. That's really cool. And then, and then, how long did you stay there? I stayed there for like eleven, um, eleven years. I came down so to to expand. I came back down to DC area, okay, uh, nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety five. Okay. And again, you know, out of respect to Grandmaster Jun Lee, I didn't want to come back to DC area to compete, right? But when he decided to kind of step out of the school, Jun Lee limelight, and they kind of you can say sold most of these schools out to individuals. And then they went out and they changed their name to different schools. I said, you know what? It's time. So I went back because I wanted to spend time with my family. My sister was here. My nieces and nephews were back in DC area. So I came back down to DC area okay, or Northern Virginia area. And then how long have you had your current school then? Um, since 95. I mean, I moved around a little bit. I was okay. at what we call Crystal City, which is Arlington. Mm-hmm. And then moved to Reston, Virginia. And then yeah. now I'm in, out in Leesburg, Virginia, which is a little bit more suburb. And then, uh, so COVID, how much did COVID affect your, your school and teaching and stuff? Um, yeah, that was tough because, you know, I'm a little bit old. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to take things easy when COVID hit. We weren't really sure whether we we're going to open back up. Oh. Uh, just, you know, continued with the Zoom and as well as just continue to travel and do seminars, but uh, we had the group of students that wanted me to reopen. And uh, so we said, you know what, let's give it a try. So we've been open for about a year and a half now. Okay. But yes, definitely. Not only did it change the people's, I guess, everyday routine, mm-hmm. it changed their mentality also. Right. You know, so their lifestyle changed and um, just the whole philosophy of martial arts and so it's, it's a different dynamic, especially here in Northern Virginia, different mm-hmm. dynamics of martial artists. Okay. What, and what do you mean by that? Kind of what, what's an example? What do you mean by that? This place is so transient. Okay. And, um, you know, this place is IT hub of the world. Mm-hmm. Northern Virginia manages 70% of internet traffic of the world. That's crazy. Right here, so Northern crazy. Virginia, where I'm at. Yeah, 70% of internet traffic of the world goes through Northern Virginia. When I saw that, I was like, wow. Yeah. I would say probably about 15 years ago. I'm not sure if he's 20, but like 15 years ago, Northern Virginia was considered dot-com capital of the world. Wow. Okay, when the dot-com was coming out real crazy. Mm -hmm. Remember that time? Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Northern Virginia was considered dot-com capital of the world. But right now, it's just, you know, the data center is popping up left and right. These things, it is amazing how transient this area is. Okay. And that's the lifestyle. And that's what they also want with martial arts training. They want to become invincible in um, in two months. And they <laughs> want to get their black belt in two to three years. And they want to become, you know, I guess you can say the grandmaster 
Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't quite work like that. But so that's the, the demographics of this area. They oh. work hard. Yeah. They work hard, but they want results yesterday. Yeah, that's too bad. Darn. That's the mentality. I think that's the best way to put it. That's probably. They do work hard. They do work hard. Hardworking people. Okay. Now, do you have like a core number of students that stick with it for the long term? Yes. I have, okay. I have a good, good, good number of, I guess, core group that's been with me for, you can say, five plus 10, 15, 20 years. Nice. You know, a lot of uh, my affiliates, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth degrees, they have their own schools in different states. So it's, oh. it's still keep in touch. Yeah. Still keeps me, keeps me on my toes. So do you get to travel, travel to those affiliate schools sometimes or not as much anymore? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. And yes. Where, how many States are you in? Um, let me see. I have, um, the main ones I have master, um, Rappold. He is in uh, Boston area. Okay. Chris Rappold, uh, Donnie Ellickson. He's in Pennsylvania area. Tariq Brown. He's in uh, Florida, okay. near Orlando. And then uh, in that area, also I have my uh, another affiliate. Uh, he is name is Heimberger, Bill okay. Heimberger. He's been in in Tampa that area forever. Nice. Uh, I also have uh, affiliates from in Australia. Oh wow! Uh, that's been in contact about ten years. I've been there uh, a couple uh, several times, but with COVID, I haven't been back since. Oh okay. So due for I was supposed to go back this year, but I just kind of said no, no, no. I'm too busy. So hopefully <laughs> next year. So those those are the main ones, and there are others, but that kind of keeps me. Busy with them yeah definitely that's cool so think back to when you were 14 and you first started you know helping teach to now what do you think has changed the most about your teaching style over all these years my teaching style Mm -hmm. people say i got nicer (laughs) (laughs) do you do you agree or no (laughs) well you know time was different right when i was teaching Mm -hmm. during that time we were able to make our students do knuckle push-ups on the center box. Mm-hmm. Okay. We were able to, in a way, physically, not to hurt them, but physically punish yep. them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are not allowed anymore. So it's a little different, which we don't have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids, uh, and not just kids, even during that time when I was, when we were teaching at Wake Forest until 1984, we had a wiffle ball bat that we used. Mm-hmm. My brother and I, we called it Chung's Love Sticks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And we used it to, you know, give them a good whack to get them going. And it was part of, I guess, in a way, martial arts, militant training, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, I guess, what do you call it? Corporal punishment type of a thing, yeah. right? Yep. And that's what we learned. That's what we know. That's what we believe. Well, after we opened up our school in 1984, we stopped doing that. Okay. Yes, we still have them do push-ups, physical, you know, push-ups, mm-hmm. sit-ups, Things like that, but we're, we're not as, you can say, some people would say maybe mean, but no, I mean, I think it's nicer, different yeah. way, different way of ap- approaching the students. And that's no different than the, the, the psychologist or psychologist that, that's out there, not just in martial arts, but in our society, right? Right. We want to use that positive reinforcement. Okay. And, you know, we want to make sure that we don't want to try to so-called teach them the agony of their defeat more so than the, the victory is more sweet right. kind of thing. And we want to get out there and try to do best you can. It's okay to fail. Okay? Mm-hmm. Whereas before, failure is not part of our vocabulary, right? We don't <laughs> accept failure. We don't yep. accept mistakes. But now, no, failure is okay. When you fail, that means you tried. When you fail, at least you know what not to do kind of thing. So it's a positive reinforcement. 
and uh, just different way of approaching things. And I would probably say that's probably the most, the, the main difference than anything else. And do you guys do, uh, do you do weapons at your school? Yes. I, uh, I started incorporating. So traditional Taekwondo, we don't do weapons. Right. So, but because of what's out there and all of that, I learned the basics of pretty much all of the weapons out there. So I teach my students basic bow staff, basic nunchucks, basic tunfa, nice. basic sickles, basic um, sai, mm-hmm. uh, basic uh, Filipino, um, the, the arnis. Oh, yeah, the, the, the sticks. The yep. I teach them basics of everything. I said, this is what I'm going to teach you. You want to learn more? Then you have to go either to YouTube, video. If you want to take private lessons, I will refer to somebody. Uh, perfect example is a lot of my students got likings to do both staff. Mm-hmm. So I invited uh, Mr. Jackson Rudolph, who is a weapons guru out there. And he came over and taught some of my students. And uh, before that, it was Casey Marks. Ah, yes, she's okay. been on my show. So, yep. so, you know, I refer them because I know my limits and I know what my students want. So I give them that tools so they can succeed. Okay. Do you have a favorite weapon? I, I like bow staff. Okay. I feel like if you can do bow staff, you can pretty much handle any weapon. Just like, you know, music. If you play piano, I think you know how to read notes and play, you can kind of pick up other instruments and you'll be able to be pretty good at it. Cool. Talk a little bit about your black belt test, your first degree black belt test. How different was your black belt test back then compared to the black belt test you give your students now? Oh, okay. <laughs> so when I took my black belt test, we had to do all of the ITF form, nine forms okay. straight without taking a break. Okay. So doing nine forms, Chunji through Chungmu straight. And then we took a break and then we had to do some combination kicks that teachers call out like front kick round kick punch or round kick side kick punch whatever they call out we had to do okay and then we had to do the fighting and we had to do board breaking okay so that was the main thing do you remember what what was your favorite break from your black belt test for board breaking i don't remember no i don't remember but i i, I enjoyed uh, breaking because i think it shows good skills yep um i have my students do it so all right my students now they do nine ITF forms, nine WTF forms. Okay. So they do Kicho or Kibon, and then all the Tegak forms, one through eight. Okay. As well as all the ITF forms, Chanji through Chungmu. They do nine sets of fighting combinations, we call it. That's the one that uh, Grandmaster Junior's old system do, nine okay. sets. So it's like doing another nine forms. So mm-hmm. there's a total of 27 forms. Wow. Versus my nine forms mm-hmm. when I did it. <laughs> and then we also do musical form Exodus and Beethoven. Oh, they still, that's cool. Okay. And then they have to do four rounds of four minute fighting. Okay. And they also do two on one, one minute of two on one fighting. Okay. And then they do breaking. Okay. And then do you have specific breaks that they do for black belt or does it depend on the person and like their specific skill set? No, it's, um, they have to do two hand techniques and two kicking techniques. Okay. They get to choose whichever two they want. Oh, they, get to, they get to choose. That's cool. Right. So, you know, I, you can pick front kick, you can pick side kick, you can pick axe kick, you can kick round kick. So give them some freedom. Mm-hmm. You That's can do cool. punch, palm heel, hammer fist. You can do elbow smash, forearm smash. So two hand technique, two kicking technique. Three, I'm sorry, three hand techniques and three kicking techniques. That's okay. what black belt. So do you think uh, physically that your black belt test now is a little more demanding? I mean, it sounds like you do oh, a little, a little more stuff. More demanding. <laughs> much more demanding. <laughs> That's cool. 
And, and that's that's rare because usually I talk to people. It's like back then it was a lot harder, and now is a little easier. But it sounds like yours is um, kind of the opposite, which I like. That's kind of no, cool. Yeah, and you know, again, my background is ITF Taekwondo. Yeah, but we've adapted, incorporated a WTF system late nineties, and we just I just made it part of it. So that makes it so my students they can go to pretty much any Taekwondo schools and be able to pick up where they left off because they are knowledgeable in both ITF more traditional system as well as the WTF system that's cool only one that they may not be able to make such a quick easy transition it will be the Tang Shudo system yeah which i'm sure you know is a sister style yep. of the Japanese Shovakan system yes and even like so, the, the Tung Sudo school I started at when I was 10 has actually changed to Subak Do now. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So even that changed, it's the whole system he was in changed to, I, I interviewed him and I'd have to go back and listen to it probably it was three years ago, but cause I know I asked him like how different it was from Tung Sudo to Subak Do, but I don't, you know, obviously mm-hmm. three years ago, I don't remember what he said. That's one thing my instructor, if you come to him from another school, he, he will take mm-hmm. you in, he will let you wear the belt you earned. It's just that until, right. until you move on. You have to learn our system. So, Correct. Which, and, and I know other schools, I've been to other, even other Taekwondo schools. Nope, they got to start, start over at White Belt. I don't care. Yeah, it's many a, it's schools, a, they like to start their move as a White Belt. Yeah. Which, you know, just different. Right? I see both different sides of it. Yeah, I definitely see both sides of it. And and I've also had, stu- we've had students come in that they chose to start over. So mm-hmm. they're like, I'd rather start over from the beginning, which is, you know, which is cool too. So talk about your instructional videos, kind of what, what led to you starting to do those? I, I was watching some of those on your, on your YouTube channel and stuff. And kind of what, what led to you releasing videos like that? You know, again, I'm going to tell you, I was at the right place at the right time. <laughs> and I was very lucky, very blessed. Okay. So Panther production, I'm sorry. I can't remember the gentleman's name. Okay. Jennings, right? Mr. Jennings, Joe Jennings. Okay. He did a video with Bill Wallace. It was, I believe, his first video. And um, it was fantastic. He loved it. Somehow he came across my, I don't know if it's a bio or what. And I guess at that time, I won world title. And I guess you should have said I was kind of like the hottest guy on the market in Mm -hmm. terms of forms and fighting because I won both titles in 83. And then I retired in 84 and he approached me and uh, said, you know, I have a video with Bill Wallace and this and that. And, you know, I've seen you compete and I'd like for you to talk about this and that. And at that time, because of my technique and um, I guess just where I presented myself, I was considered a traditionalist who made it to the top, which is very rare, especially in open competition. So we definitely want what you have, what you could do. So that's where the traditional forms video first. And believe it or not, the first, the, the video, the forms video, that was the first one, was almost three and a half hours. Wow. So we edited, 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 and got it down to like two, two and a half hours. Okay. So when he started selling that, it was a two and a half hour white belt to black belt, 12 forms video. Wow. I mean, think about that. That was what was on the market. Mm-hmm. And then my combinations, like I told you, the kicking and punching, those. And then I can't remember it was those two. And then maybe there was another one. Those two or those three ones. But those were the ones that we, um, oh, stretching video. Yeah, beginning stretching video. We did that. So we got those and it sold like hotcakes, especially the forms video. One, because of it was so thorough, two and a half hours. Two, because everybody said it was awesome, great. And uh, Joe Jennings told me, he says, because of, not Bill Wallace did too. He did great. 
Mm-hmm. But because of my videos, he made million dollars. Wow. I was like, wow, that is fantastic. So that was the history. Okay. And that and again, that's him telling us that, and which which was very compl- you know, very complimentary, which was very nice of him to share that with us. He says, yeah. Bill Wallace was great, okay, but you made me a million dollars. That's what he said. <laughs> wow. We continued our relationship. He wanted me to come out, make more videos because he saw the success. Let's break this down. Let's do just kicking. Let's do just punching. Let's do just block. So give me what we got. So my wife, Yvette Vargas, she's fantastic at marketing. She made out the script. Let's do one for just kicks. Let's do one for multiple kicks. Let's do one for jump kicks. Make it into series. Kicking. Let's do one for blocking, striking, stances. Let's do one. So we went on and just, she gave me the script outline. And then of course I just filled in. Okay, we can do this, that, and that. Just like teaching class for me it was. So we ended up with 23 instructional DVDs and we did also incorporated Exodus, Beethoven and Granada, uh, as well as some self-defense techniques. Another thing that Korean stylists, which don't do as much as Japanese stylists do, is actually the application of some of the moves that we do. Okay. You know, uh, Japanese, I think they call the, the Japanese style is called it a bonkai, right? Mm-hmm. The application of the moves that we do, which I learned a lot from attending Okinawan seminars as well as Japanese style seminars. I was like, wow, this is cool. So I appreciated other martial arts even more because of the fact that they got more in depth rather than just teaching the form, you know, punch is a punch, kick is a kick, block is a block. But no, there is more to it than that. Right. Uh, So that's how my instruction of DVDs came about. And um, like I said, I was very lucky. Opportunity came. I didn't know it was going to be that popular until Joe Jennings said, yeah, you're going to make me a lot of money. (laughs) I said, what (laughs) about me? He goes, no, 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 no. you're going to make me a lot of money. (laughs) And uh, so we're very happy with that. That is cool. And and most of those are available on your YouTube channel, correct? I put, well, since, so Joe Jennings sold the uh, copyright or rights to, Mm Century. Okay. And Century was carrying the DVD, but then by that time, DVD market has kind of almost become obsolete. Yep. So I wasn't even get, able to get my own DVDs because wow. they were carrying so much in inventory, right? Yep. The demand wasn't quite really there for the DVDs because people were still trying to do stuff online, streaming, and things like that. So finally, I had to even ask some of my students, I said, okay, who has my DVD? <laughs> <laughs> Some of them goes, Sabanim, I have my, I have your VHS videotape. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I do also. I have some of my own, I have all, I think all of my VHS full uh, tape. That's cool. So, so we decided to, you know what, let's go ahead and just put them up on the YouTube. So all 23 right now, DVDs are on my YouTube channel, youtube.com, uh, John Chung Taekwondo. And I'll put a link for now, that. I'll, it's, I'll put a link there, up there. So. It's, it's for public. Anybody can go on there and check those things out. That's cool. Yeah. When, when the episode comes out, I'll put a link to your YouTube channel on there too. So people, awesome. people can awesome. check that out. That's awesome. So I'm curious now, you, you know, let's say you've been in martial arts most of your life. What are your thoughts on uh, something more mo- like modern martial arts, like a MMA or the UFC? Is that something you're a fan of? I love it. Really? Okay. I love it. The reason is because that means the interest is still there. People that love martial arts, physical, you can call it contact, action, if you want to call it. That's why I promote tournament. We formed an organization called World Cup Martial Arts Organization. Okay. This 
uh, next year, 2024, is our silver anniversary. We've been doing it since 1999. Oh, wow. So next year is our 25-year anniversary. But we don't do sanctioning. We don't play politics. We just have a good old-fashioned tournament. So people that know me, people that are just enjoy the competition for what it is. You know, everybody knows everybody. We have old timers, new new timers Mm -hmm. that come and they compete and they get the feel of the national competition. I call it World Cup Open Martial Arts Championship. And it's in January. I do do it at the Martin Luther King weekend. It's January 13th and 14th. And it's not MMA or UFC or like uh, those Naga grappling tournaments. Mm -hmm. It's an open competition where we offer like open weapons open forms, traditional weapons, traditional forms, extreme weapons, extreme forms. We also offer point sparring and continuous sparring. Nice. We also offer breaking division as well. Nice. As team events, team forms, team weapons, team pairs, uh, team demonstration competition. So, you know, we get about 300 plus competitors every year. It's a good competition. It's not huge. It's not little. So it's a feel good get together competition. Okay. I love UFC competition. I love MMA. These athletes are like super athletes. Every time I see these guys, I look at they're like Roman gladiators in the ring. And uh, you know, yeah. they're out there and they most of them some some yeah, some look out of shape, but you know, they're braver than I am because they do get to step in the ring. Yeah. You know, <laughs> for them to just step in the ring, it's just a different mentality different athlete. Yeah, I admire them. And it's definitely good for the sports because, hey, they get to sell our crowd. It is martial arts going to continue to grow. Yeah. I mean, think about every action movie out there. You see martial arts. <laughs> that is true. Wow. Yeah. I'm just reading about the tournament. That'd be kind of, I'd love to come out for that sometime. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, just to, come out this year. I don't, I don't know if I can do it this year, but <laughs> that's kind of, kind of, kind of short notice for me, but I will. Yeah. I, Monday's a holiday. Remember that. Martyr the King. Monday's a holiday. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll mark this down. And, and we leave. have a lot of old timers, new newcomers. So we, everybody, it's like a reunion every, every year. Yeah. And I'll definitely put a link for that out there too. So. That's awesome. That's cool that you're doing that. So I'm curious now, your Junery was really big on philosophy. I know I, in some of his books and everything and his friendship with Bruce Lee, they talked a lot about philosophies of martial arts. So I'm curious, in all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy you've learned that is at the top of your list? Well, my philosophy is, number one, work hard. Okay. Number two, try to learn something. And number three, have fun. Nice. That's my philosophy in class. I like that. And you, if you see me on some of the stuff, I'm quoting stuff, you'll see me work hard, learn something, have fun. I like that. That's cool. That's my philosophy. And I try to incorporate that in everything that I do. Do your best, right? Yeah. And, you know, learn something. If you don't learn anything, that means you learn that you don't, you didn't have to learn anything. <laughs> but most importantly, enjoy what you do. Do it with a passion. And, um, and I know some people, you know, they try to get into politics, but I'm also <laughs> a big fan of Disney. Oh, ah, okay. And you'll see me wearing the Disney Mickey Mouse pin. Nice. Everywhere I go, as well as I only wear Mickey Mouse tie. Really? Okay. Yes. That's and, awesome. Um, I don't know when that happened. I would say probably mid-90s, late-90s. Uh, I mean, I'm a big Disney fan, so we used to, okay. I used to go to, especially when I went to the U.S. Open every year, right? Yep. It's right here in Orlando. Loved it. 
And um, like even when I play golf, all my uh, golf cover is Mickey Mouse and stuff. <laughs> so awesome. I became a big Disney. I only wear Mickey Mouse watch. So everybody's like, "What's what's going on with you? You and Mickey and this and that." I said, "Look, Mickey <laughs> is always happy." Yeah. Okay. And also, Mickey is connected to Disney, and Disney inspires people. Disney gives everybody hope, makes everybody happy. Nice. That's my philosophy: be happy and be inspired. That is cool, and that's what I try to do when I'm teaching class. I'm hoping, you know, because uh, the old 1980s show with Ernie Ray's uh, Junior Sidekicks is owned by Disney. <laughs> I'm hoping they'll release it on Disney Plus one of these days because I'd love to rewatch that. Well, speaking of show, I don't know if you got to see the spin off of Cobra Kai. We did a reality show called Kitty Kai. No, really? Yeah, the reality show called Kitty Kai. It was with the Discovery Plus. We did six episodes. And since Warner Brother merged with Discovery Plus and everything else,、mm-hmm. now it's on HBO Max. Really? It's called Kitty Kai. Six episodes. Myself and my students. Reality show. My son is in it. Michael Chong. Okay. They called him the Secret Weapon. <laughs> Sifu Mark Williams from North Carolina.、Mm-hmm. Shihan Cliff Kinchin also from North Carolina. Okay. And then the sensei. Jeff McGregor from Danville, Virginia. Four of us compete against each other, our school versus their school kind of thing, and we host. There's some drama in there. If you get an opportunity to watch that, it's called Kitty Kai. It's on HBO Max. Okay, yeah, I'll put. I'll、Six、find it. I'll find it. I'll put a link for that too. That's kind of、yeah. cool. Yeah, no, that's. And is that already out now? Oh, it's been out. Okay, so it was on Discovery Plus, but then I want to say last year、mm-hmm. when Warner Brother they merged. And then they kind of got everything, I guess, now more settled,、yep. and they just started putting、uh, on HBO Max. I want to say a couple months ago. Okay. So now it's available Max, which means a lot more、uh, viewership. Cool. Yeah, I will definitely、uh, put a link for that out there so people can check that one out too. That's awesome. Yeah, tell people to watch it. It's fun. Tell them to root for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that for sure. <laughs> All right, I have a few fun questions to wrap up the interview. Okay. Now, now this one, it doesn't have to be four. I've had people do as few as two and as many as eight, so it's kind of up to you. But three, four, five names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts. Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> it definitely has to be Bruce Lee. Okay. Okay, because he was ahead of his time. Yep. And of course, my uncle and the founding father, Grandmaster Junri. Nice. Okay. Wow. And then、um, I don't know. I would, you know, just I would have to say maybe my brother. Cool. All right. Personally, personally,、yeah. because I mean, as much as he was my big brother, beating me up when I was little, he definitely, <laughs> definitely helped me and made me who I am. Okay. I would just go with those three for right now. Hey, that's good. That's solid. I like it. All right. How about a favorite martial arts book? Favorite martial arts book. Oh、mm-hmm. my gosh. I'm not much of a reader. I have to confess. Okay. I'm not much of a reader, but、um, I don't know. I don't have one. So did did.、Uh, June Reed do his. I know, like、uh, Mr. Pineda does, like his reading assignments for the kids over the summer. He, he, well, I'm glad Mr. June Reed. Those five books, those are classic. Oh yes, yes. But I don't know if I want to call them a book. But yeah, I, I still have it at my school. Oh, I, I I still refer to it. All five of them. Nice. So yeah. So、okay. thanks for the tip.、Hey. Yeah, I will put those five books. All right, that、Grand、works. Mr. June Reed's five <laughs> Chen Ji and Tang Gun Tosan Wan Hiao Yul Bok. Jungun Tege Huarang Chungmu, those five books. There we go, perfect. I believe they're by Rainbow Publications. Okay, 
All right, now this one you might not have an answer for. How about a favorite martial arts video game? Did you ever get into video games? Not really. Okay. <laughs> no worries. Not too much. Yeah. I played like Mario Mario's Golf on the like little those. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. Pac-Man, Galaga. <laughs> I, I, we actually the, the the place i work at that i do it for in our break room we actually have a, a stand-up galaga game and i play that on my yep. break sometimes so <laughs> that's kind of fun how about a martial arts tv show favorite martial, martial arts tv arts show, TV show. Yep. i mean i i think i have to go with um the the cobra kai i mean that's been pretty popular right out there yeah. cobra kai that was I, I love good. it i love that show yeah okay how about a favorite martial arts movie Favorite martial arts movie. It's got to be Enter the Dragon. Nice. Okay. Okay. And can I add another one? Absolutely. Yeah. Jackie Chan, Snake in the Eagle Shadow. Oh, nice. That one's never been picked. Well, people have picked a lot of Jackie Chan movies, but never that one. I, I love that movie. Jackie Chan's done so many, but yes. Snake in the Eagle Shadow, that was his first classic that kind of broke the box office. And yep. Yeah, that's that's a classic. I actually found that at a store in a, in a, like a used DVD bin. I got it for five bucks. So, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I was, I right, thought I'm that was one more. Okay. I'm going to okay. go one more. Omba, Omba, High oh, Warrior. Yes. Tony Jaa. Tony Jaa. So good. So good. Yeah. That's the, the stunts he does and the, oh my oh, gosh. that, that cart, that chase when he's like jumping over cars Amazing. and through windows. My, yeah. That's just, I get chills watching it. So much fun. All right, final martial arts question. Now, this one doesn't technically doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. Just a favorite movie fight scene. Is there just one fight scene that stands out for you? Oh my goodness! And anything goes. I've had people pick Marvel movies and comic book movies. I've had people yeah. pick pick The Princess Bride and Batman and Star Wars. So anything goes. You know, I would have. I mean, yeah, there's so many. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which one would be my favorite. So I don't know. That's a tough one. So I might, I might even have to go with the classic Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris Rome Coliseum fight scene. Nice. That's probably the easiest. (laughs) That one's actually been picked a few times. So that's a good one. I think that one. I have to go with classic. Yeah. I think that one and probably Rocky are probably picked the most. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. That's Hey, that's a good, that's some good picks. So I, I, I like it. I mean, you know, you look at a lot of the different fight scenes, like, you know, the Black Widow, where she does the head scissors spin takedown. <laughs> yes. Those are really, really classic, and it's great for the camera. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's not really a fight scene more than the technique itself. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I know. Like I said, I've had people have picked Billy Jack and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. and Yep, yep. Well, you know, Shogun Assassin, Shogun Assassin has a pretty good fight scene in there, too. So yeah. Like I said, we could, we could do a whole show just talking about movie yeah. fight scenes. So. <laughs> yep. 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 Cool. Well, before I let you go, anything that maybe I forgot to ask you about, or you want to be sure to mention be, before we wrap it up? No, I mean, um, I, I'm glad that you got to catch up. A lot of people don't know some of the things that I've done in terms of, or I'm doing yeah. like promoting a tournament, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so now, now you have that. You didn't know that we did a TV show, reality TV show called Kitty Kai, yep, right? Yep. <laughs> Not even like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you that. We did that. Yeah, Some that of my cool. family members don't know either. So oh, wow. yeah, a lot of those little things like that. Okay, cool. Um, and somebody that, you know, always been in the, my background, my brother, Howard, you know, mm-hmm. my yeah. business partner, as well as he was my coach when I was training and things like that. So a lot of people think George Chung is my brother, but no, he's my <laughs> friend and uh, he's a fellow competitor, good okay. friend. 
still keep I've in interviewed touch. George too. George has been on the show yeah. also. <laughs> we still keep in touch, but Howard Chung, my brother, okay. and my sister Helen, three of us, all black belts. Nice. So so we're good. Okay. Well, if, if if either one of your your brother or sister ever want to do the show, you'll have to let them know. They can re, they can get a hold of me, and I'd love to interview them too sometime. Sounds great. That'd be fun. But but once again, I, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you. This has been so much fun, and I, I can't wait till the episode comes out. Thank you. It's uh, it's been fun, and lots of luck to you. And hopefully, you know, we cross path, and maybe we'll even break bread one day. Hey, that'd be fun. I I, I would uh, definitely love to meet you in person sometime, sir. Yes, sir. You're welcome here in Leesburg, Northern Virginia. My door is always open. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.